Hello and welcome to episode 149 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. This week we're talking my pick, uh, The Missing. Uh, another... Have we done a Ron Howard movie before? I was, was going to say another Ron Howard movie, but... Why would we have we done have. that? I will say another Aaron Eckhart movie, because we've done three of those now. Um, mm. <laughs> from 2003... Uh, directed by Ron Howard, of course, and starring Kate Blanchett and Tommy Lee Jones and Evan Rachel Wood and Aaron Eckhart. And um, yeah, we'll be talking about other stuff we watched as always. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Screwy. It's uh, crushing it. It's another late night sesh. Um, and we're we're gonna get right into it. So I mean, yeah, like. There's nothing to talk about, right? I mean, we didn't even ask about trailers. Didn't we say we're not doing trailers anymore, though? I think we did. Did we? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think we talked about it briefly on the text. Yeah. I feel like if something, like, monumental happens, like, you know, all yeah. three of us see a trailer and all of us are, like, shit in our pants, right. then we can talk about it. But otherwise, it's like, eh. Yeah, I agree. Um, no, uh, no, not even, like, a like a collective shirt for the uh, Last Airbender? No? I didn't watch it. I haven't, I haven't seen it. Don't I care. will probably watch an episode of that show. Oh, it's a show? Definitely not interested. <laughs> Although I will say, I watched, let's see, like five new television shows today. And uh, we're, we're, we're in a golden age right now, I'll tell you. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, <laughs> I thought television was dead, but... There's some good shows out there. I'll talk about them Wait, later. Um, like five, mm. like you, five different shows. Yeah. Like not five episodes. No. Like you just spent your day watching TV. I mean, I watched. I mean, it's like I watched. I woke up and watched four episodes of a show, of a show, to finish it, and then I watched four other shows' first episodes today. Damn. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to we'll have to hear what those are since. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I didn't watch shit this week, so... Yikes. Uh, <laughs> you gotta get on it, bud. What are you I, doing yeah. with your two and a half hours of downtime every day at work? I don't have... <laughs> I don't have... That. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, anyway, I don't have that either, JR. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Sure, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of... I actually have like a lot more now because I have to wait till almost four o'clock. To, uh, I have to stay in my classroom until almost four to go pick up my kid because she doesn't get off school until four o'clock. So mm. now I'm there for like another hour, yeah. hour and a half. Oh, okay. So your work day previously ended at like two forty-five or two thirty? Two forty-five. Yeah. It's and that was that was brutal enough, but I'll tell you now I'm just sitting around. <laughs> it's <is> rough <laughs> times. I don't know. Okay, I I miss I miss getting off at two forty-five. I leave work at I leave work at four. I'm there from eight to four. Oh, that sucks. Our middle school starts late, and uh, the elementary schools, the high schools, middle schools all start like at a different time. Mm, Yeah, they're staggered and uh, sucks. That sounds brutal, man. Eight to four is rough. Mm. Oh, they get to sleep later, I guess, in the morning, right? Uh, kind of. Yes, I get to sleep later than I would, but I still get up pretty early since uh, the drive is far and trafficy. Mm. Oh yeah, my drive is far too. But anyway, um, all right. Well, let's jump into our deep dive. This is the missing. 
you know, this was my pick. I saw this movie in the theater back in 2003 when I was 16, I guess, going on 17. No, go, 17 going on 18. And um, I don't remember how I saw it. I guess one of my parents must have taken me to see it or something. But because um, I wasn't driving when I was 17. But uh, yeah. I, I remember being like really, really disappointed by this. I thought it was going to be like a really cool, you know, action <laughs> Western adventure. And, uh, and then I saw it and I was like, well, it's, I, I sort of remember just being like, it wasn't violent enough. <laughs> that was because that was me at the time. You know, it's like if it didn't have enough blood squibs, I just didn't like it. Mm. And uh, this this movie, you know, confirmed only has one blood squib in the entire film. And um, <laughs> and it's not a good one. Uh yeah, but uh, I feel like, uh, you know, that was my feeling then. What did you guys think about this? So you got, Kevin, you said you'd seen this before, right? Yeah, I had remembered um, I saw it at some point while I was uh, still living at home. Um, but it must have been it was it was later than when it came out. It must have been like, I don't know, maybe 2000, like seven, eight, something mm-hmm. like that. Um but yeah, um, and like I told you guys, I watched the extended cut. Oh yeah, uh, which is like two and a like two and a half hours long. Um, I have I don't I don't remember seeing a shorter cut, so I can't speak to any differences. But I will I will say it did not need to be two and a half hours. I, I bet not. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like just just right off right off the bat, like I think the. Uh, like the ending is, you know, the ending to this movie is pretty much 45 minutes long and like it does not need to be like like y'all could like they could have fit the whole, you know, um um uh, my name actually means shit for luck in, you know, Apache and um you know, like I still don't forgive you, but then I kind of forgive you when you die. Like all that could have been a lot quicker. And mm-hmm. they could have they could have gotten to the climactic uh, fight scene a lot sooner. And. Um, yeah, it, it, this movie didn't need to be this long. The version that I watched was two hours and 15 minutes long. Mm. And uh, I agree, it didn't need to be that long. I don't think it needs to be two hours and 15 minutes, but, you know, um JR. <laughs> <laughs> I've decided there's something wrong with my uh, my Max app. Uh, I could not watch this on there uh, because it was like from the first couple shots, it was like too zoomed in. Like Clay Blanchett's face was not in frame. It's like what's going on? And mm. I rented it on Hoopla, and like I was right. It's like, like it turns out the stuff I'm watching on Max is like. It's framed incorrectly. Really? I don't know what to do about that. Um, I thought you were, I thought that was this was going to be like an elaborate dig on Ron Howard. Like I got it on Hoopla, and it turns out he doesn't know how to frame a shot. No, and it was no, <laughs> no. Uh, no. I'm saying this just because like I don't, um, I don't, I don't know that I have a ton to offer here. Uh, I did not like this movie, and uh, I don't really know how to discuss it in a in a productive way because uh, I think Ron Howard is is dumb and stupid and uh <laughs> he's just like a a poopy face 
And I just, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> the, I, this movie is just kind of like all over the place. Um, at, at times I was like, it's this like dark, gritty Western with like real stakes and death. And then like they, they actually like lean into like the, the magic and like sort of curse stuff. And I was like, that comes out of nowhere. It's like, what, what are we doing? Um, I thought this movie couldn't really decide what it wanted to be. And uh, like Kate Blanchett and Tommy Lee Jones are, are fine. But, um, you know, that long ending that you're talking about, Kevin, it just it's like we spend so much time on this search and then it just kind of ends with like a generic fight. And I was like, all right, I guess this movie happened. I, uh, you know, I'm not going to, uh, I'm on your, I'm on your side, Jr. And, uh, I don't, I don't, I will not defend Ron Howard as a filmmaker. Cause I think that he's made mostly awful movies, but, uh, you know, he did make, uh, 13 lives last year, which I enjoyed. And, uh, I, I like ransom. I know you hated ransom, but I thought it was all right. And, uh, I think he has oh. like, a, what? is that what we've done? Did we do ransom? No, we didn't. Dive? No, we didn't do ransom because I just remember right. I, I I watched it and then you watched it because I, okay. I asked you to. <laughs> um, right. No, but um, I think I think that he's like a competent director, but he's just like he's just generic and he's so bland and generic and like white bread that you just can't like. There's no stamp of of auteur on this movie or any of his movies really. And it's and this one, this one, this is like the epitome of how generic he can get. It just feels like the most like Hollywood Western. It's every trope that's in every Western that you've ever seen is in this movie. It's just like it's goofy, you know. And then I agree. It's the 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 choice to make the witchcraft into like a real thing that's happening in this world is very strange. Like it's, a, it's a only one stroke. fucking sequence. Yeah. It's just, that's it and like if you're gonna have this guy be a legit like witch el the el brujo uh, i guess that's redundant el brujo just uh like why isn't that part of like the climactic fight which is just like a to, like a, sc- a scuffle yeah you're right i mean that's a good point too yeah it's just a, it's the fact that it's that one scene and there you would think they would do something to like make that to where it could be interpreted both ways, right? Like he's like he's got her hair, um, and he's making her sick with the hair. But then, like maybe she got you know she got into something that could have made her sick also, you know. So you could interpret it both ways. So there's a little bit of ambiguity there. But it's like it's very like leaned into that that's what's happening there. That he's mm. doing like a voodoo thing with her, <laughs> yeah, voodoo doll situation with uh with Kate Blanchett's character. I guess we should say what what's happening in this movie. This movie's about a <laughs> yeah. a woman who's like a a single mother rancher. A dentist or a doctor, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Healer, they call her. She pulls a tooth at the beginning. That's what. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, <laughs> she, um, yeah, and she's living with her two daughters and her uh, boyfriend slash manservant Aaron Eckhart. Uh, and uh, yeah, she her daughter gets kidnapped by Apaches and uh, former Apache former soldiers, I guess, but mm-hmm. they're like Apache soldiers. Yeah, and, they were like Apache scouts, and then they deserted, right. and 
started to get into uh, sex trafficking. Right. Yeah. They, and so now her daughter, Evan Rachel Wood, is being sex trafficked by these Apache warriors. I, yeah, I didn't realize that, like... To Mexico. I didn't realize that, like, making it to the border in 1885 was, like, there's, I don't know, there's, like, cartel business happening already. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I, it, feel, it feels like... It's it not feels, a joke. I just, I, it, no, yeah, that yeah, might have I been know. happening. I have no idea. I feel like I've seen uh, other movies where... I know that like the 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 idea of like you know sort of the cliche of getting to Mexico for a criminal, mm. I've seen that in westerns before for sure, even in like um like uh, what's the Billy the Kid movies um Young Guns they're always talking about going to Mexico to get away from the yeah. law you know mm. but um anyway yeah so uh and then Tommy Lee Jones shows up she's he's uh Kate Blanchett's estranged father who is like he's a he's a he's a white guy but he went to go live with the indians and he became yeah. one i don't know <laughs> when i mean yeah, when he shows I mean, up my immediate thought was oh like oh fuck like oh we got brown face <laughs> yeah uh, we don't yeah. it's close it's, though yeah <laughs> it's close yeah this is like i just thought like this is one of the like rare extremely rare instances where i could say like uh did you either you guys see uh the lone ranger with army hammer and johnny depp oh yeah okay so like there's there's a part where like you know um army hammer's like talking to like some other um natives and they're talking about johnny depp and like you know yeah you know he's kind of simple so we just kind of let him you know do his thing you know (laughs) i feel like they handled that situation better than this movie did (laughs) Which, you know, I never thought I'd say that about the Lone Ranger. Yeah, I mean, just the anytime Tommy Lee Jones is doing anything native, like Mm. speaking that language or or singing native or chanting and like doing the smoke thing that they're doing when they're trying to heal Kate Blanchett, which makes like zero sense for lots of reasons. But like all that stuff, it's so hard to take seriously. And I like I can't. Like, it takes me right out of the movie just seeing him doing all of that. It's not; it doesn't mm. strike me as genuine at all. It's so fake and funny, uh, which is a bummer because one of the things I read on Wikipedia and IMDb was that like this movie was received really well in indigenous communities because uh, mm-hmm. there was a real effort from uh, several actors to learn, um, you know, the dialect and. Sure. It's mm. something that only a few hundred people speak fluently, and yeah, he, thought that was cool. He, he yeah, he, he spoke it well. Like it sounded like he knew what he was doing, and he had practiced it and everything. It was just, I don't know. It's, I guess he's such a well-known actor. It's just hard to like, mm. you know, suspend reality. Um, versus, well, you know, I think I could, I could see Tommy Lee Jones, like you know, being able to speak Spanish, speak Apache. I think where the problem is, like with his character, is the cosplay that he's doing. Essentially, like if he were, if he was like, you know, like um, some like, if he was an army guy, or if he was, you know, like I don't know, like even a missionary or something, who had like had more of a genuine reason to be around them instead of just, you know, oh, I couldn't, you know, I was bored as a ranch hand, so I went off to live as a wild engine. Which is essentially his, you know, 
and that's another thing too. Like we don't get a whole lot of his motivations or you know backstory. Like even in the extended versions, like you know he's just kind of waxing like, oh, I never could cut it as a ranch rancher and blah, blah, blah. so yeah. it's like okay, so that's what that's why you like leave your wife and kids because you know like what is this is this the awakening are you like the what's, what's the deal here man i know and we you know like on this podcast we complain a lot about too much exposition mm. <laughs> but um like it, you gotta find some way to make us like buy this estrangement and then buy you know the sort of forgiveness that they they go for, because mm. uh, like I I don't I do not understand why this man left his family, and I don't understand why, or rather I understand her initial reaction if this guy just abandoned her, um, and I don't know that he's earned forgiveness at the end. It's not like he's <laughs> like been awesome along the way besides saving the girl from the water. I think it's I understand her reaction when he arrives. Uh, because it's like the most cliched, stupid, generic yes. reaction, you know, that you could have. Mm. It's just like, oh, it's, I mean, we've seen this dynamic in so many other movies and that's what makes this movie so disappointing for me. It's just like, every, like everything in this movie is just so fucking tired, you know? Um, and I, I and I, and I, the performances, you know, I, re- I read reviews online and they're, and they're praising the performances and I'm just like competent at best i mean like what is mm. like what's great about well, either, any of these performances i don't know nothing and that's why like i said Kate blanchard was fine because i think she is like this yeah, is she's fine like <laughs> yeah. she and like Kate blanchard's a really just a really good actor and i think whenever she's given mediocre material she can make it seem not embarrassing and and i don't think anything that she did was embarrassing i think uh tommy lee jones made this feel very Tommy Lee Jones ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's, that's whatever. Uh, I don't know. I don't think everything is tired. I think, uh, I think we got a glimpse, a glimpse of something great, a glimpse, you know, we maybe should have diverted and followed. I think we should have followed Val Kilmer, uh, the other direction. Um, what do you mean? Followed him to the North where they weren't going? Yes. <laughs> I just stayed <laughs> yeah. with that group. Um, <laughs> I really liked uh, when he broke up the two guys fighting over the looting and was like, looks like God intended you to share. And then he sees Cape Blanchard coming up and was like, any man found looting. <laughs> um, yeah. And just, yeah. he can't, he can't never skip any opportunity for an accent. And uh, <laughs> I was like, you got like six lines and you're, you're, you're doing your whole Val Kilmer thing. It also <laughs> might be one of the, one of the later last, um, Val Kilmer performances that is like pre blow up pre throat cancer. Right. I mean, like he's, yeah. he's still pretty svelte in this role. Like he looks like himself. Yeah. 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 I just, I don't realize really... that like that was him like breaking up the fight and then, you know, like being like, that seemed like a Casablanca reference when a uh, Claude Rains is like, I'm shocked, shocked to find gambling going on here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you. What's um what's with the subtitles? Did you guys notice that the like there aren't subtitles in a lot of the scenes, especially early on, and then randomly they come in later? 
Yeah, like they well, like they don't Ooh. subtitle the uh, Spanish until like way later when uh, what's his face is explaining how he knows uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Oh yeah, like like pretty much from the get go, they they subtitle the Apache. Okay. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, like when she's like trying to like pull the old woman's tooth, you know, she's like tranquilo and you know. You know, yeah, like none of them are. That, none yeah. of, you don't know what any of them are saying. And I feel like whenever um he's in the stable at the beginning and he's like having a confrontation with that that Spanish guy, that Mexican guy, they don't oh, yeah, subtitle yeah. any of that stuff. Right. Yeah. I think she was telling the woman to calm down. Well, yeah, yeah obviously. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I tranquila, just feel like, tranquila. I just feel like if you're gonna sub, if you're gonna go like not subtitling things, or like their emotions will show you what they mean, then don't subtitle anything. Like, why subtitle anything then, you know? But it's like, uh, if you're going to subtitle one thing, then subtitle everything. Yeah, because ultimately, uh, Ron Howard does need to deliver exposition, and we get a lot of it sure. in subtitles yeah. later. It's because mm-hmm. it's like a fucking, you know, screenwriting 101 kid wrote this, you know? <laughs> well, uh, I have another thing that I liked. It's very brief, and John, you'll probably be able to tell me that this is not original because I, I just can't imagine that Howard had like an original thought, or maybe this is in uh, the novel this is adapted from, which I don't know anything about. Um, when, sorry, when um, the search party initially catches up with the group, and uh, this is like halfway through the movie, maybe before they meet uh, Kaita, and they like Who's point Kaita? their gun. So they they point their guns, they're like they're gonna try and ambush, you know, kill as many of these guys as possible before rushing in to save the yeah. to save Evan Rachel Wood. That's and right before they meet that guy. Yes. Mm. And they're holding like these like like the sticks with the like the V up to like stabilize the guns. Oh right, yeah. Um, to aim the guns, I like, like a that. bipod. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I figured that is not new or original. I mean, I don't. I've never seen it. In, I mean, I I can't recall immediately a western where I've seen them using that. Okay. But I mean, I don't. Who knows? I mean, I don't, I'm sure they. That's probably just some. You know, that's really just some random like bit of research that Tommy Lee Jones did. He was reading a Western novel and he was like, we should do this, Ronnie. What do you think? And they, they added it in. You know, that's, that's fine. I don't know. I thought a it was a good idea. You know, what I do? you know what I have a big problem with is how fucking stupid everybody is in this movie. Like the stupid oh, little yeah. girl that they bring with them. First, for, first of all, bringing the girl with them. What are they retarded? <laughs> She's like nine. And then, and then she, well, of course she gets well, the fucking, uh, the binoculars out and yeah, alerts everybody. This, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, in, she's ridiculous. And then Tommy Jones is dumb too. Like when he goes to, um, buy back Evan Rachel Wood, it's like, what does he think's going to happen? He's going to walk in there and pay them money and they're going to give them the, I mean, like, is he dumb? <laughs> yeah. That little girl does some horrific overacting oh, she's in awful. the, in like the first, I don't know, yeah. half hour. It's like just a whole lot of like screeching and it's like, Okay, that's not how you convey drama. It's bad. It's really bad. I think she's still an actress now. She's like an adult acting mm. now. I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she yeah. got better. Mm. And it was definitely 
<laughs> like every escape is foiled by someone being stupid. Yeah. And I understand <laughs> that kids are stupid. And I understand that um, Evan Rachel Wood being like confronted with another uh, Indian Apache uh, holding her mom's cross is probably not immediately going to be happy, but it's just like so immediately clear that he is trying to get people out. Yeah, he's helpful. Uh, you haven't just seen like, this guy loses before. Her shit. Yeah, it's like you haven't seen him before. He's not one of the group that's kidnapping you, and he has your mom's cross. Like, put two and two together, lady. Like, you don't need to scream in his face and alert everyone around you. It's it's <laughs> it's killed. such it's so it's, yeah it's just frustrating like these reactions because they're so not reactions that would happen they're just in service of getting that guy killed so we can get to the next point in the story it's just lame yeah and I mean like um and like Elizabeth Moss like oh yeah whole, yeah her insanity you know where she <laughs> where she has to kill herself because if she doesn't kill herself they get away. You know, and then the and then the story ceases to exist. Well, but right? and, so she has to yeah, go out yeah, and blow yeah. her brains out. But like Evan Rachel Wood oh, yeah. should it like as soon as the woman like made it clear that she wanted to bring her her dead daughter with her, it's yeah. like, Oh yeah, you've lost it, so I'm out. Like she should have right. been out. Um yeah. earliest that's gotta be the, the earliest I've ever seen Elizabeth Moss. I didn't even know. I I I didn't know she was working before Mad Men, so Yeah. Yeah, I mean and this is Madman's 2006, maybe 2007. I think it's, I thought it was five. I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe I, seven. I, I'm guessing. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I had never seen her. I was thinking, um, you know, uh, there's other stuff like just superfluous, like, like just garbage Hollywood crap. Like, um, <laughs> after Lily is kidnapped, we have this, uh, they're getting ready to leave, to go to find her, you know, to go search for her. And uh, we get this ridiculous scene where Kate Blanchett's alone in in her be- in Lily's bedroom, like caressing her sheets. Like we need this. It's like a three yeah. minute scene too, where she's just rubbing mm. on the sheets and looking at them and crying. I'm just like, yeah, what? her her mother <laughs> misses her daughter. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> like, yeah, it's moronic. I was just thinking like About. the 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 pillow that she like she like stucks her face in that pillow and like it's like smelling it, you know, because like. I'm just like, that pillow must stink like shit, you know? <laughs> People aren't bathing. It's just like, it's not like it smells like, you know, Pantene or something. It's just like. It's yeah, I mean, I mean, like, they make a big deal about her, like, dressing fancy. But, like, if they had, you know, if there had been, like, some earlier thing, like, you know, you know, she used all of her savings on this stinky water from france or you know <laughs> that would have been like more that. annoying actually kevin i, I well yeah. that, 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 that giving her that character trait too of like she's into like future stuff and she like wants to, oh, she wants yeah. to move to the city it's yeah. so dumb it's such a dumb stupid fucking trait to get like we don't need her to be at odds with the mother and then have like there it's just again that's like that screen running one-on-one we need they have to have a a conflict that they can resolve through this trauma and then the father and her have to have a conflict that they can resolve through the trauma it's just like it's so it's so telegraphed it's so dumb yeah. what um what was Aaron Eckhart stuffed inside of? They cooked like him, a, right? It looked like a cowhide. Yeah, but okay. they were like had a fire going under him, right? So they were cooking him. Yeah, yeah. I was so okay. glad when he died. I was like, oh my god, let that be Aaron Eckhart in that bag, and it was. <laughs> I was like, oh, 
thank God. He's awful in this. He, I mean, he's, I'm, I'm not a big Aaron Eckhart fan to begin with, mm. but he, his accent in this, he's got like this bizarre, like Texan accent in like three of the scenes that he's in. And then like the other three scenes, he has no accent. It's just him being Aaron Eckhart. He's awful. He's so bad. I was so glad when he died. What? So we did Suspect Zero. What was the other movie we did with him? <sighs> Fuck. Um, I don't remember. It was something. I don't mm. think it was something that he wasn't in very much. Wasn't he? Wasn't he Suspect Zero? Wasn't he, he the guy? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Suspect Zero. Oh no, 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 the, the no, pledge. No, no. He was in the pledge. Oh yeah, yeah. Aaron Eckhart. Eckhart no, was uh, the Aaron Eckhart the, was, the, was the FBI guy. He's the okay. uh, yeah. Ben Kingsley was, like, was suspect zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Ben Kingsley was suspect zero. He's 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 bad in that too, though. Yeah, that movie's bad. Yeah, that movie's really bad. That movie's worse than this somehow, but <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's just a matter of budget. I feel like you I know, think this it movie at least has like a. I feel know, like suspect zero also took place in New Mexico though. Oh, uh, I think it was makes... outside Albuquerque. It's definitely like desert stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah. Either New Mexico or Arizona. I think it was, I think it was, I think it was the Kirky. In the first like 10 minutes of this movie also, I was like, who did this God awful musical score? It is atrocious. And it just gets worse and worse throughout the movie. And it's fucking James Horner. Yeah. Like Horner is a good composer. What is this? (laughs) Not for Ron Howard movies. It's insane. I guess (laughs) it's so bad, dude. I couldn't believe how bad it was. And just like with all like the pan flute or whatever it is, you know, that Navajo flute thing that you just have to do when it's a movie about Native Americans. It's so stupid. It's just like you think he would be smarter than that, but he's apparently not. I don't know. I hated the score. And I love how the, um, you know, the Morse operator. I read that the trivia, it's it's, uh, Ron Howard's dad plays the Morse code Mm -hmm. operator guy. And um, they're giving him the message to... uh, I forget. I forget who he's even messaging, but he he has to. He they give him the name, you know, uh, Gilkerson or Gilkerson, and he yeah. just knows. He just knows how to spell that. Uh, yeah. They don't spell it. They're just like, okay, no problem, Gilkerson. It's like, who would he just knows automatically how to spell that? It's yeah, drove me insane. I hated Clint Howard in his few lines. I thought his delivery was just like off. The, the really? way, yeah, like when he said, he just like, it's not like he didn't give a shit. Um, well, the way that he delivers the line, like, the device is truly a miracle. Like, what, oh, yeah, yeah. What the <laughs> fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah. I know that he, like, doesn't have time for this woman. He's busy, but, like, I just, I don't know. The line readings were weird. Yeah. I was happy to see him. I like Clint Howard, you know? I like him too. That's why I thought his <laughs> line deliveries were fucking weird. <laughs> yeah it was it was funny too like I, ron howard has this you know sort of reputation of you know you know he's he's fucking um you know um happy days and andy griffith and you know in his movies you know like people people come out better on the other side and like i don't remember kate blanchett like apologizing you know or like ever thinking like oh well you know indians are people too oh yeah she stays racist for sure yeah and like yeah like she's hardcore through through and through which i 
like I'm glad that they didn't like try to make her like a saint mm. who you know, like she's like the only non-racist person around. Um but then they were those three girls they were they were very prejudiced through and through. Yep. Yeah, I don't have a, I, I never mean, worked yeah. on an Indian before. They also like they don't seem to they don't dwell on any of that stuff which which is good. Oh, yeah. I and I agree it would have been gross if like she had some kind of turnaround, you know, about her philosophy about all that. Cause like, why would that happen? Right. Like, why would yeah. she suddenly start being like, Oh yeah, well there are people too. That's fine. You know? Cause like after all native Americans did kidnap and try to sell her daughter into sex slavery. So yeah, you know, it's not like she's going to be like, Oh, well they're not all bad. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like it, if anything, like she's going to be like one of those people who's like, yeah, you know, reservations aren't good enough. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. That they say multiple times that they these guys jumped the reservation. Oh, did they um, say that? Yeah. yeah. Which I never had thought of uh, reservations as like places with with actual like fenced borders, uh, and they're not now. They were then, but I I don't know. I maybe they were, maybe they were. It feels like that's a um. Well, like the phrase off the reservation is like a, you know, like a phrase. Yeah. Mm. I don't know if I've ever heard jump the reservation before. Um, uh, they, they use the second daughter as bait at the end. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's a weird choice just, also. Yeah. 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 Let's just put you in a coat with a dead body. Where people are going to shoot at? at it for a little while. Right. And then, yeah. Then, you know, like. Lure him over here so I can, you know, blow, you know, shoot him in the face with a shotgun. Because our other plans have worked so well. Yes. It's, it's like the culmination. <laughs> it's like the worst idea they've had the entire movie and they have it at the end. Hmm. Uh, they, yeah. Well, maybe Tommy Jones was thinking like, you know, worst case scenario, this, this girl dies and she's stupid anyway. <laughs> We're going to try to get the other girl back. We can lose one. <laughs> they... I like the. Uh, oh, sorry. sorry, I was just gonna say I like the bad guy bouncing off the rocks at the end. I was okay mm. with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, sort of back to their their final plan. Um, Jones definitely recovered quickly from like almost dying, having the shit kicked out of him, and mm-hmm. then uh, apparently taking a drug that would rip out his soul, I'm which not, does nothing. Right? I'm not sure why El Brujo this scary scary witch guy uh thought that jones was like gonna struggle with peyote or ayahuasca um mm. it seems like he just had a, a pretty normal colorful experience but is that and, what uh, it was and, though i mean uh, we don't know he he blows the other dust in the guy's face and it makes his eyes bleed and he dies right yeah but yeah this, yeah this like, one wasn't i don't know this wasn't like blown it was blown up his nostril I don't know, that one was like poison Right. He seemed to think this one would like, I don't. I got the impression that El Brujo was like trying to torture Jones well, with, but he, with an experience. But, okay, but he also says he says, um, oh, you know what? Actually, I'm getting conflated. I think he. I'm, I'm about to quote what he says to the other guy. Mm. He says to the other guy, "Take that to your grave" or something like that. Uh, yeah. Never mind. Okay, you're right. Ray <laughs> Ray Kinman or whatever that guy's name is. Yeah, the, the photographer, the director from from Deadwood. Oh yeah, is that what he's from? Yeah, Ray McKinnon. 
Mm. Yeah, he's in Deadwood. He plays the priest, like the local chaplain. He's also an Oscar winner for a uh, short film he made. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I look when when the drug experience happened, I was like, oh, man. Well, not when it happened, but like when you mentioned like all the Western tropes, it's like there's there's another one. Yeah, we got to get the uh, we got to get the Indian drug in here. And when he says he's like asking the the hawk to um, he's like, take me back to my family. I was like, well, (laughs) I sincerely thought for a second, I was like, this hawk is going to magically transport him back to Cape Blanchett. Because magic is real in this world. He might as well. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Right. I know. But it's like, I remember thinking that, like, that's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to be like the Eagles in Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Yeah. I have, um, I have, I have one last complaint and then I I think I'm out of complaints that I, I had while watching. Um, what Ron Howard wanted to do with the camera in this movie was driving me crazy uh you know like he wanted he wanted like epic movement he's got these swoops where like going kind of under something and then looking up and um it but so much of it just like looked shitty and i also was taking into account that like this looked shitty both on hoopla and on max whatever like transfer that streamers have is is not good um but there was there was this one part where uh, they're speaking. There is dialogue on horses, and the camera angles that they're cutting to are uh, are so close to breaking the 180 rule and driving me crazy that way. But also, like the camera is bouncing. Like you guys couldn't. It's like the cameraman's on a horse too. Um, and I was <laughs> like, "You're gonna make me sick. This is disgusting. This looks awful." I was really upset. Um, and the guy that filmed this. Um, has also filmed classics like Bird Box, Space Jam New Legacy, 65, <laughs> the Apple TV movie Ghosted, um, Spider-Man Homecoming. That's a big job. Come on. Cinderella Man. You love Cinderella Man. He's worked for Ron Howard. I don't love Cinderella Man. But he, <laughs> he said it's his best film. I said it's up there. I think I said it was his, his third best film. Oh, well. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Any given Sunday, I remember looking at. Yeah. Okay. So this uh, uh, been 24 years, but yeah, this I don't like this guy, and I don't like this guy with Ron Howard. It's fair enough. Um, sure. I have uh one more note also, which is uh, you know, he offers the kid the moccasins, and then his mother, her mother's like, he she can't have these or whatever, and then of course she <laughs> conveniently loses her shoe. <laughs> Like in the next right. loses her shoe. It's the worst. <laughs> right after that, I wrote the note, this is a bad movie. <laughs> Ron Howard, uh, you know, he just, he, it's like, there's a, there's an interesting, there could be like an interesting uh, uh, movie to be made out of a story like this, right? Like it's, mm. a, it's, but it's such like just a basic revenge slash chase film or something you know like an action it should be like a 90 minute like thrill ride you know of a western yeah. with without all these stupid or yeah past or, dynamic stuff where you're oh my god i hate my father and i my daughter hates me and it's just so, it's just so dumb no, and unnecessary but they're 
sorry, I'm not saying but because I disagree. I, I okay. definitely disagree. But I think Ron Howard's like, I'm making the new searchers. Like I'm doing. Oh, it. totally. And like, I've got these family dynamics that I'm gonna like make pay off because this is why the searchers is good. And that's that's certainly part of why the searchers is good. Um but like John Wayne's character being a total piece of shit is a huge reason why the searchers is good as well. Um I feel like they Well you know, it's like you gotta make Tommy Lee Jones less likable. You gotta yeah, make but, him less desperate to be forgiven. You gotta I agree. All, all this Okay, but think about that. Think about what you just said though earlier, right? It's like it's also uh because the Searchers is directed by John Ford and it doesn't have these goofy oh, yeah, swooping yeah, no, camera right. movements and it's like it doesn't have all the stupid shit that Ron Howard insists on being the the goofy score by James Horner and the the terrible uh 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 set pieces and things like like the the silly uh the flood in the fucking canyon it's just all of a sudden there's a there's a tsunami in the canyon okay, and they're so about to that drown. that can happen like flash flooding like that in canyons is is real but okay um, you know like a, but so we if you go to in this go movie. to zion national park that's like a real thing you got to watch out for um but if yes. you're if you're let me ask you this though jr if you're riding a horse in a canyon and it's pouring down rain and there's no flooding you're telling me Two minutes later, it can be no. seven foot of water. No. Okay, then. I'm not <laughs> that's, you that. that's what we're talking about here. Okay. Flash you, it is it one can be thing. a real danger to your life. It cannot be uh, what it was depicted as. Right. She um, almost drowned while she was wearing that thing. Almost. Right. <sighs> that's the worst, dude. Yeah. It's fucking gross. I like that we're, we're talking to each other like down. I wonder I wonder if we all came in like it's like a two and a half and we're all we're all exiting the conversation like it's irredeemable. I came in. It's I came in with a two star and it's a two star. That's what it yeah. is. OK, same. I'm also two stars. Same. Perfect. Even even with the extra 15 minutes, it's the two star movie. <laughs> the extra 50. Well, it says on the box extra 17 minutes. Ooh. So, yeah, it's double like, you know, like you don't get two and a half like this is two. Yeah, yeah I mean, it should at max. It, this movie should have been like 145. I could easily you could edit this into something watchable. Well, mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's true, but yeah, maybe with a cutting room floor. I don't know if there's more interesting shit that they left out. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this movie's garbage. So uh, let's play Letterboxd Roulette. With uh, the actors, and I've already oh, closed. Yeah. I just closed out of the page. Kate Blanchett, <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones, Evan Rachel Wood, Jenna Boyd, who plays Dot, uh, the the younger daughter, Aaron mm. Eckhart, and Val Kilmer. Who's right. after Val? Who's after Val Kilmer? Eric Schweig. Yeah, she, oh, he's no. El Brujo. Yeah. Oh, is he in anything? Is he like yeah. a big deal? Because he's, he's in Last of the Mohicans, and I think he and uh, he was in Tom and Huck. We might want to use him instead of um, Jenna Boyd because she's only she's like Swanto. in this and like three other movies. All right, let's do. Uh, sure. We'll do Eric Schwag instead of Jenna Boyd. Okay, here we go. I'm rolling. Um, it's a three. What's who's the third actor? Evan, Evan Rachel Wood. Evan Rachel Wood. You got Excuse it. Excuse me. That's gonna be bad for me. Ooh, that's gonna, gonna. That's bad for me too. I gotta add this to my. Gotta add this oh, to my Ron Howard list. Oh, I thought you had an O three list. 
No, it's not going to be on on that. <laughs> I thought he had just ranked all of them. No. Okay, I'm a eight for Evan Rachel Wood. Six. And I finally get a homework break. Finally. 15? 13. 13. <laughs> this guy has seen across should the should be universe. 14. I've definitely seen 13, but I've not logged it somehow. Mm. I haven't seen it. Because I have to rewatch 13. All right. I was actually looking at these actors uh, yesterday, like thinking about how many movies you might have seen. And I was like, oh, there's no way he's seen whatever works. But you have seen whatever works. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's a Woody Allen movie. Oh, yes. Larry David. (laughs) Yes, of Mm. course, I've seen whatever works. Yeah, but you haven't seen every Woody Allen movie. I've seen every Woody Allen movie up until... There are recent ones that you haven't seen, I know. Yeah, like the past three. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, I definitely watched the freaking Larry David one. It's not good, good, though. (laughs) Yes, so... Okay. Anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, all right. Let's see what we're watching, Kevin. See you and me, bud. It's always Kevin. Kevin. Poor Kevin. You know, this guy can't catch a break. Nope. I think I've caught a break. Like I don't know, like once. Yeah, I think, and I think a couple of times. Um, I think like one time Jr. was like, "You two won, and I'll do it." Like he, oh, like yeah, yeah. yeah, he took the bullet for us. Exactly. Like I've done the past uh, handful of homework, so I'm. I haven't done one in a while. I feel like since that yeah, uh, Indian movie we watched. You haven't done one in a while. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. All right. Uh, the uh, it's 1957. Uh, fucking. So what's that? Page 20. Yeah, 19. 57, the movie is Sorry to Bother You. Have you seen you, have you seen this, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Um, I have not seen this. Yeah, I have. Do you want to watch this again, this. or do you want to do another one? Uh, let's do another one. All right. Let's do another one. I'm okay with that, because I don't really want to see the movie anyway. Yeah, I mean. It's a really interesting movie. It's not mm, great, but it's interesting. Mm, yeah, not great. It's not yeah. something I'm interested in. I want to see great films. Yeah, I think the big problem for me with Sorry to Bother You, like, it starts off with, like, like a lot of, you know, like, it starts off with a lot of points to make, and, but then gradually it just goes off the rails, and by the last, like, I don't know, ten minutes, it just goes batshit to, like, what the fuck is even going on, like. Okay, um. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I was reading this other, um. So, the movie is Gulwar from 1992, directed by Usman Sabain, who did uh, Black Girl, right? Yeah. Which I really like. How do you spell that? Uh, G-U-E-L-W-A-A-R. Okay, cool. And it says it's not streaming on any service, so we'll have to find <laughs> a, uh, see if it's available um, elsewhere. Mm, figure it out. We'll figure it out. Figure a backup out if it's difficult to find. Yeah, we can yeah, always I mean, re- we can redo it off 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 air if it's um you know like impossible to get a hold of. But sure, yeah. I mean, if we have to fall back on sorry to bother you, like you know, it's let's not hope the worst thing happen. in the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So, uh, anyways, well, uh, let's uh, move on to what we watched.
Should we uh, let's, let's start with uh, the homework Kevin and I did. Sure. Yeah. Divorce Italian style. Who directed this again? Pietro um, Germi. Germi, mm. okay. Yeah. The, f- the first thing I will say, um, this actress, uh, Daniela Roca, they did this woman dirty. Oh, yeah, like the like, like the model uh, yeah, that like, they've turned into like a unibrowed mustache. Yeah, like that mustache, mustache is prominent through the entire yeah. film. Like even uh, even in these like, you know, there's like occasional like um, dream sequences and um like yeah, she never she never looks any better than the way we see her in. Um, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of all um, Marcelo's um, like his vision of her because he's like tired of her and you know wants to wants to have an affair with his 16 year old cousin. Um, but yeah, like it's <laughs> like. Yeah. yeah, and it was a little far. <laughs> and of course, like, you know, it, it's in um, it would be in like even poorer taste if uh, they actually had, you know, some unattractive woman playing this part. And they get to kind of have fun uh, do the the 90s and <clears throat> early 2000s sort of she's all that style, you know, add a unibrow and a mustache and we make her mm. ugly scenario yeah. um this was not the first or this was not the only time uh pietro germi would do this uh this woman dirty uh this was his uh wife i don't know if they were married oh. at this point uh but she only acted like throughout the 60s and um in the early 70s was committed to a mental institution uh following the messy divorce between her and this director ouch so that's rough um sounds like she did not have a fun time uh, mm. uh from her mid 30s on um yeah that poor woman this was uh without saying anything about this movie yet um this movie featured the first male performance to ever be nominated for an oscar uh marcello mastroianni first uh first foreign language performer and it won best you original said, screenplay. You said, you said first male performance. Yes. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh what? Sorry. First male. <laughs> I, like, uh, I don't know. All right. I don't know if. Yeah, I mean, the way I saw it worded was first male. So I guess there was an actress that did it before. But um, one best original screenplay. That doesn't happen often. Yeah. I mean. Um, yeah. Uh, Kevin, what'd you, what else did you think? Um, I thought there were, I mean, it's obviously, uh, a comedy with, uh, some darker elements. Um, I thought part, I thought, you know, the comedic beats were there when they were, when mostly when they were supposed to be. Um, I thought it went on a little long. Um, again, you know, like. So the so the premise is um, Marcelo is tired of his wife. He wants to um, he wants to get into a thing with his like she's not like his blood cousin like they're like uh, like first cousins by like marriage. But still, you know, he's 37 and she's 16. This is but I don't know. This is Sicily in the 
early 60s. So I guess that's, you know. I mean, anyway. I don't I don't think we're supposed to think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I definitely think the the nature of the relationship is is meant to feel icky because everything about him feels uh, feels icky. And uh, and he's great at pulling that off. Uh, yeah, Rani, for sure. I think is, is great. And um, I thought the film was often clever and I like a lot of the. Um, I like a lot of the ideas in it and a lot of the, the sort of like the things that like the, the small details like this is a formerly wealthy family. They live in this giant estate that is like crumbling. Um, mm. So they're like there's still this very like rich worldview like where no one can touch him (laughs) and um like he is above the law and then of course uh built into the law is like you know gender uh double standards and um i loved like la dolce vita is a part of this uh yeah (laughs) movie like it's causing like a moral uproar and they they use that to to great effect. But there, there are like several great scenes in this movie. Um, but my other note is that it feels so fucking long. Yeah, uh, it's it's hard to like fully embrace this movie because it's an hour and forty four minutes, and it feels much longer than that. Uh, like I looked when I was an hour in, it felt like I was like this guy has got to be almost over. It feels yeah, like there's yeah. a lot to happen, but it's got to be almost over. And there were 40 minutes left, and I was like, wow, oh, I've been sitting here for so long. Yeah, this I mean. counts for days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, so it's good. I thought it was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, it was interesting to see um, Marcelo, like, all the other stuff I've, well, I think I've only seen, like, two other movies that he's in. But he's usually, you know, like, very, like, suave and, like. In this one, he looks like the mustache definitely looks goofy on him. But then, like, you know, um, like we see him like at night when he's like getting getting back and then like in the morning, like his hair is all tussled and he looks ridiculous. Like that was interesting to see. And uh, of course, this movie is a I feel like it's a famous final shot on the boat. Mm. And I was like, yeah, you know. And it's like a and so it goes. The cycle continues. Oh yeah. Sort of a moment with the final <laughs> shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. That's it. That's divorce Italian style. Uh, yeah. Considered one of the just like absolute classics of comedy, and we think it's okay. I mean, I I can't I can't speak to like this particular director, but like this seems like the kind of like thing that like Billy Wilder would do. And, you know, again, no offense to this guy, but I feel like this probably would have been a better movie overall if it had been in Billy Wilder's hands. Because, like, this feels very, like, you know, Avanti and, uh, you know, like his, you know, 50s, like, sex comedies. It might have suffered from the fact that Billy Wilder doesn't speak Italian, though. Well, he was German, so he might have a smattering of Italian. That's true, maybe. <laughs> yeah, all those Axis powers were the same. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, okay, I the uh, yeah. the movie like this. Gelwar 
what was the last part of it? I don't even remember. The movie that we have to watch for Letterboxd Roulette mm-hmm. is on YouTube in two parts. Oh, cool. With, cool. with English subs. So it's available, no problem. Cool. Um, doesn't look like it's great quality, but you know, probably the best yeah. that you're gonna find. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're no stranger to low quality on you know YouTube. That was how That's I true. watched that. Uh, what was that Nicolas Cage movie that we watched? Oh yeah, He's a um, soldier in Africa. Italian one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie. Oh, it's uh, just Gel. It's just Gelwar. I thought it was another word after Gelwar. Anyway, mis- misery um, personified. Misery. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, I'll go next since you guys yeah. went. Uh, I watched uh, all three Exorcist movies, the original three, I guess you call it, maybe the original trilogy, and um, just really because I've been meaning to rewatch the Exorcist for a while. Uh, cause I remember the first time watching it and thinking it was like a masterpiece and, uh, I just wanted to rewatch it and like, you know, bring myself down a notch, you know, if I needed to yeah, and realize absolutely. maybe, you know, come back to reality <laughs> and, uh, no need. This is a masterpiece. <laughs> the, the first exorcist is, I, 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 I'm, I'm hesitant to say it but i'm gonna say it this is a flawless movie like i have no issues with this movie it's so good like all every performance in it is amazing especially jason miller and um linda blair which is weird to say because you know linda blair is like sort of a sort of a meme i guess like she's not you know like Mm. her career didn't go anywhere i guess that that was that great but in this, she's fucking fantastic in this, like all the way around, like in every scene, she's great. Even the scenes when she's not, you know, being exercised. Um, and Ellen Burstyn's good. And of course, Max von Sydow is like rocks, you know, but he's barely in it. But anyway, it's, uh, it's just a wonderful horror film, elevated horror, uh, does everything right. Great pacing, awesome lack of score, very creepy, um, low on jump scares. Lee J. Cobb is in this. He he rocks. Mm. I mean, it's just it's just a good movie, man. This is just a very good. The last twenty minutes of this movie are so fucking good. Just the whole exorcism scene and like how it ends and everything. It's just great, and it just makes the the second two so much worse because <laughs> you know you're watching them in direct connection to this and and direct comparison to this. Uh. Which is, I maybe you know, it's, I think it's fair because they're exorcist movies and they are made, you know, um, they're called exorcist, you know. So it's like you have to you have to compare them like they're sequels, but they have almost nothing to do with this movie, especially by the time you get to the third one, and uh, they're just really god awful. And I mean, a lot's been said about Exorcist too, uh, but it's i was i was going into it thinking like maybe you know maybe it's not that bad you know like people say it's like one of the worst movies ever made like but you know it's like it's john borman he's not a bad director richard burton's in this he's a good actor louise fletcher just just won an oscar you know after right before she did this mox down set out comes back and reprises his role for flashbacks 
And boy, is it just a, <laughs> it is a phone infest, man. Like nobody's doing a good job in this. Um, and Linda Blair is God awful, like so bad. It's insane how bad she is for this only being a few years later, what, four years later. And she's just atrocious. And the writing is really, really bad. The story makes no sense. They have to, uh, she, apparently she wouldn't put the makeup on. Like, so they had to get a double to play her in the earlier scene. Like, cause they do like flashback scenes of her in the makeup <laughs> and it's so bad. And they have like a different voice actor doing the, the demon voice. And it's just really cheesy. And it's like everything you would, you would think about like an exorcist movie from this time, you know, you would assume it would be cheesy. And it's like how the original exorcist isn't that way at all. Like, it's just very, I don't know, classy and like well-made and it's like tasteful. This is just, the exact opposite. And there's this goofy, <laughs> there's this goofy device that they use to hypnotize people and like this, uh, psychological hospital that she lives in. And it's like, I feel what they call it, but it's like a, it's like this machine where they put like headbands on, it's got wires and, mm. uh, it flashes like a strobing light at them. And then they like, essentially like they sync up almost like inception. Like they get into each other's minds. And so like Richard Burton, <laughs> there's a scene early on where, Richard Burton is like a priest investigating Max von Sydow's death four years out later for some reason. And, uh, <laughs> and he, and, uh, he's in the, the hospital with, um, Louise Fletcher and Louise Fletcher decides that she needs to do this right now. She needs to do the hypnotism thing with, with Regan, um, Linda Blair's character. And so they both put on these things and they're staring at each other and the lights are flashing and it's just dead silence. And there's just, and they're just like, Reagan, I'm coming to you now. And it's like, it's literally like seven and a half minutes of this. And it's just cutting back and forth, very slow, very slow paced, deliberately paced. And then all of a sudden you start seeing these flashbacks of Max von Seidel, um, uh, uh, you know, trying to cast out the demon while, while Jason Miller was in the, uh, in the other room in the first film. So it's just him and the, and the girl. <laughs> and, and she's like, you know, this is when he dies. He has like a heart attack or whatever. And, uh, then all of a sudden, like the, the, the flashback demon girl possessed Reagan reaches out of the flashback and starts grabbing onto Louise Fletcher's tit, like grabs onto her chest right here. Like as if she's like grabbing her heart, I guess, or something. I don't know. And she's like, like rubbing it back and forth. And like Louise Fletcher, like goes into this like trance. And they're like, we've got to get her out. <laughs> and Richard Burton's just there, like, observing. And he's just like, I can get her out. And she throws the thing on, like, the the head gear and everything. And it's like, well, how would he know how to get her out? He's never oh. done this before. It makes zero sense. <laughs> and then he just sits down and stares at her for, like, three more minutes. And she comes out of it. It's the it's one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. It's very... Uh, it's a bummer. Why is uh, why is Linda Blair still possessed? It's not Linda Blair's not still possessed. Linda Blair, this is she's this just is there. This is she's in the she's at this hospital, like dealing with the trauma of the first events of the first film, like with a psychiatric psychiatric group, and one of them okay. the the main one is Louise Fletcher, and so this is like there's a flashback happening, but the flashback is being like superimposed on the screen as we're seeing this hypnosis, hypnosis session 
and the the demon her as the demon in the first film is like interacting with them in this film it's really it's very strange it's very Mm. weirdly done and it's not good (laughs) at all (laughs) and the only thing that's redeeming about this movie at all is like there are some cool like effect shots like um cool miniature work and stuff like um a lot of it's set in Africa, this movie. And mm. they do like the stuff with locusts where they, I was reading about it. They apparently they painted um, packing peanuts black and then they just blew them with like a big industrial fan. And they, it looks pretty good. It looks pretty convincing mm-hmm. as locusts, like swarms of locusts. That sounds like nice. a cool idea. Yeah, this is pretty nice. And then the third film, um, not as bad, not as like shoddily done. Uh, and actually like, before the horror elements kick in in the third film, it's like a pretty enjoyable watch because it's just George C. Scott and this actor, um, Ed Flanders, just like hanging out and talking and like they joke around with each other. And it's like really, it's pretty well written. Like it, the, the jokes with each other are funny and stuff. And <laughs> they go see a movie together and they're just talking. And this like got nothing to do with the, the actual movie at all. It's just like <laughs> to set up their friendship because, um, Father Dyer like get, ends up getting killed, and then that's what spurs George C. Scott's character into like investigating. But uh, yeah, overall, just sort of a bummer. It's directed by by the writer of The Exorcist, William Peter Blatty, mm. who is not a director, so you know you can imagine. Um, and like Brad Dourif's in this as the Gemini killer, and he's just really awful, man. He's doing all these goofy like. <clears throat> like long rants, long monologues about how much he loves to kill and he serves his master who is like the demon from the first film or something. It's really goofy. The, the, the redeeming quality in this is George C. Scott. He's pretty wonderful in it. I mean, he's just, he's fun to watch. Otherwise I would skip this. I'd definitely skip two. Mm. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen either of these and I feel good about sh- that. Yeah. You don't need to believe me. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've seen clips of the second one, but I've never seen the third one. I'll go I'll go straight to the Paul Schrader one, and oh, then I'll go oof. to the David Gordon Green one. But will you watch the <laughs> Rennie Harlan version of the of the Paul Schrader one also? Well, I guess I have to if you, the, the if you say Schrader, it exists. Well, the Paul Schrader one wasn't even released officially. Oh really? It was yeah. Rennie Harlan came in and reshot it, and they released ah. that one. Mm. And then I think I think Paul Schrader released his version later, like you know, later that year or the year after or something. But they have different names even. Like one of them's called um one of them's called The Beginning. I think that's the main one, like the Rennie Harlan one. And then Paul Schrader's version is something else. I forget what it's called. <laughs> Just, the there have to be like memes out there about like a what a Paul Schrader exorcist film should be, but just like there's a demon like writing in a notebook I guess <laughs> at a table against the wall. Like, well, they're you know they're prequels, so it's they're about um, Sidow's character know. as they're about Sidow's character as a young man, mm. and he's played by uh, what's his face, uh, you know, Skarsgård, Stellan, mm. Stellan Skarsgård. No, there's no way that I could have known that. No possible way. Oh, hey, get with <laughs> it, bud. Okay, you gotta watch these trailers. You gotta go on YouTube and watch these. Uh, this guy has. There's this one account that like scans. He does like 4K scans of film trailers, like trailers on film. He has wow. like access to all these like thousands of trailers on film, and he scans them into uh, onto cool. YouTube. I've been watching a lot of them, dude. 
constantly. That's the that's the exact type of film you would see on there too. The Exorcist: The Beginning, <laughs> or I think it's just called Exorcist: The Beginning. Anyway, mm. those are the Exorcist movies. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That stopped us stopped us dead in our tracks. You know? <laughs> um, I'll go. I'll go next. Um, just to to stick with uh, Tommy Lee Jones, I was feeling insane one night while my in laws were here, and I was uh, like watching TV in a place where I don't normally watch TV, and just like I got to do something to fill the time before I go to bed. Uh, so turn on the burial, which is on Amazon Prime. It's a prime original, and it is a legal drama, I guess. Sometimes it's like, is this a legal comedy? It's like, no, well, it's drama. Um, and this stars uh, Tommy Lee Jones as a guy who's uh, who's getting fucked in a business deal. He owns uh, a few funeral homes in Mississippi, and he had agreed to sell them to some big company, but that big company is trying to, to, to fuck him. And he brings on a sort of like, uh, we'll call him like a celebrity attorney, uh, played by Jamie Lee Fox to, uh, Jamie Lee Fox. Wait. Yeah. Jamie Fox. Oh my God. Uh, I hear it now. I hear it now. Jamie Lee Fox. That was great. <laughs> Shit. Uh, yeah, uh, Jamie Foxx, who's like this hotshot Florida attorney um, who does cases that he knows will get like media attention and like he wants he's only going to do like big money and he doesn't work with like white clients because like that's part of the whole thing. He is like he he takes trials where he's going to like play to a black audience, a black jury with a black defendant. And um, but the reason that Tommy Lee Jones and uh, one of his other lawyers, um, Hal, played by Mamadou Athi, uh, an actor I don't think I'd ever seen before, um, is like, I mean, where you filed this, like, you're going to have a black judge, you're going to have a black jury. This guy makes sense if we can get him on board with, like, contract law. Um, that's, you know, that's it. <laughs> Uh, this big company, a Canadian company also hires, uh, hires journey Smollett, uh, and basically like a team of, of black lawyers, uh, to combat this move. And, you know, there's just some, uh, there's, there's some courtroom scenes and we get all the objections and like the, like the, you put me on the stand when I wasn't ready. Like, like all these like shouting scenes, uh, and Tommy Lee Jones just, um, he looks old as fuck. (laughs) <laughs> and he he is i think he he's like in his 80s now. i thought he's okay. in his 80s probably is um yeah 46 I don't know. Uh, I don't, I, someone <laughs> math that for me uh <laughs> 50 50 he's 77 then right 50 would be yeah he's 77 uh, 73 mm. so yeah four more years 77 so yeah um not much here but also it's like it's not it's not bad it's like a very traditional like nineties movie. Like I haven't seen a movie like this in a very long time. Uh, and directed by Margaret Betts, who 
in the film is credited as Maggie Betts, uh, a filmmaker that I also don't know. She apparently made a movie about nuns called Novitiate. All right. Yeah. All right. That's, that's what I got. Cool. These, nun, these nuns have sex. Oh. Margaret Qualley. Hey, Margaret Qualley? Yeah, in 2017, was she oh, 15 then? Maybe I don't need to watch it then. I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> she was 23. Oh, oh I okay. will watch it then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I watched the uh, Spawn animated films. I initially went on to yeah, I initially went on to Max to see like. Because like the the movies are actually like um, a TV series that was on HBO back in the 90s, and like they cut them to like flow as a movie. Um, and I tried watching it as a series, but like it, like you've got like this like fucking goofy ass like goosebumps type intro, and then you have Todd McFarlane given a spiel for like five minutes before the beginning of each episode. So at that point, how, I was, how could he not? Like, no, no, thanks. Fucking so tough. I just dragged out my DVDs that I got from, you know, like, uh, probably one of those, probably one of those stores that was in the mall of Louisiana, whose names Suncoast I, wasn't Suncoast for uh, whatever reason. I never actually one? bought any. <laughs> There were like two, um, or, or or maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of one that was at uh, Cortana. Anyway, did you, say, did you say you didn't watch something because Todd McFarlane was talking too much? Because there were intros to every episode where he would talk and do a you know like like what happens when a man loses his soul? Like that kind of stuff. I mean, except for I the think, heavy Chicago accent. Cause he has like that goofy Chicago thing going on. Tom what happens when a noise. man loses his soul? Exactly. Yeah. That's not bad. <laughs> I, I can't stand that. This man is like the co-founder and like current, like president of like what I think is just like the greatest comics publisher around. It bugs the shit out of me. What's the greatest yeah. comics publisher? It's around? like image image. Produces so much great stuff. Yeah. Well, I, you, what's what's I wrong mean, with Tom McFarlane? You guys don't like Tom McFarlane? Just, he's annoying. And Spawn's he's annoying. A, he's a great artist. I'm not taking Actually, anything no, away know. from I, him as an artist, but like I this think is he like. Can be annoying this too, is like I your. Think. I don't know. Like, it's, it's clear that they like. They saw the Goosebumps show from the 90s, you know, mm-hmm. and they were like, yeah, let's do this. But instead of having R.L. Stein, they have Todd McFarlane. And it's just and it's, also, it, it takes it takes away from the whole the whole thing with its goofiness, because like the show itself is like very violent and very, you know, mature sure. content. So, well, it's funny um, you say that, like, uh, and I, I want to say real quick, Jr. do you realize that? Tom McFarlane started Image, right? You understand? Yes, that? I said okay, co-founder. Yeah. Oh yeah, but you, said, you said he's like the current president. Or so I, I said like, co-founder <laughs> and current president. Well, of course he's the. Anyway, um, yeah. anyways, but I was to say it's funny you say like he 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 sort of makes everything like goofy or childlike or whatever because it's like I was I've been watching um just this week I've been watching like a ton of uh, YouTube they they uploaded all these old episodes of this show 
from the early nineties called, uh, the comic comic book greats. And it's Stanley interviewing various Marvel artists essentially. And mm. it's like, it's right before they left to go to, to start image. Like, so he's got like Tom McFarlane, Jim Lee, um, the, the guy who does, uh, Rob Liefeld, they got, he's got all, like all the image guys <laughs> and he's interviewing all of them. And it's really, Wait, it's was, actually, was Rob an image guy? Yeah. God. Hmm, Rob's awful. What? What? You don't like <laughs> Rob Liefeld? No, I do not like Rob Liefeld. Why? Just like bazooka boobs on every character. Like that's all that's like all I did. <laughs> but that's that's what's great. It's really actually it's you guys should watch these. It's really interesting. Cause like when he's interviewing um uh he like he sits down with them, he talks with them for a little while, and then he's like, Let's go over to the drafting table. They go to the draft table and like Tom McFarlane will like draw for him, you know, like he'll, he'll, he'll like Stanley will like tell him like, like oh, how how'd you do uh Spider Man's webs, you know, how do you draw those? You know, so and he'll like show he's like he's like, Here's how the webs used to be, here's how I chose to do them, which maybe is like a little bit different. And then he talks about um <laughs> it was really funny. So like Liefeld is on uh, the episode with Liefeld is great because he's like 23 when he does this interview. He's like really young and he's telling him how he got into the business and everything and like how he brought his portfolio to a comic con and got hired by, by them to do like a one shot, like eight page comic or something. And it never got published. Anyways. And then he, uh, they bring him to the table <laughs> and he starts drawing and, uh, and, and, and Stanley's like, I want you to make a character right now from scratch. Let's make one right now. You know, just, I'm going to give you a name. We'll just do it. And he gives him the name and, uh, and Rob, so Rob draws his character. And like, like JR says, it's like this very extremely muscular guy and lots of like belts and bullets, but he's talking about that all while he's doing it. He's like, he's like, you know, like, it's really cool, man. Like, you know, it's just got to add like more, more stuff, just lots of stuff. It's just really cool. <laughs> and, uh, and it's like he and Todd, he and Tom McFarlane both talk constantly about the kids. He's like, kids love this kind of stuff. Like kids love lots of like giant guns, giant muscles, you know, <laughs> like, and, and, uh, and, uh, and then after Rob, like after Rob, like, he like, he draws the whole thing and then Stanley makes a joke. He goes, he goes, Hey, this is great. You know? And, uh, since I gave you the name, I'm going to make myself a co-founder on it. Okay. So I get all the, <laughs> <laughs> he makes a joke about how he's gonna get all the royalties from it, you know. And it's funny because it's like that's like what he's that's you know sort of, that's, that's crazy with him, right? It's just like yeah. it's just I couldn't believe he made a joke about, it. and he jokes about it multiple times. Like there's another episode oh, where wow. where Rob Liefeld and Tom McFarlane are both drawing together, and he makes them make a character right then and there, and then he like draws a chest hair on, and he says, "Okay, so I drew on that too, so that means I'm a co-creator with this character." <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. It's a great show that you guys should check it out. It's pretty wonderful. <laughs> the um like I I really struggle with Life Help because I, I love uh X Men and I really enjoy uh the X Force and Cable and Domino yeah. and like Well then you like Life Help. No, no, I don't. Because <laughs> like when I go back and read the Life Help stuff and like what I read like Life Help came back to Marvel in uh like 2006 2005 around mm-hmm. then and like did another x-force uh and cable comic and um in the a sun a sunstar comic another x-force mm-hmm. character and they're just like they were lame <laughs> and like the whole <laughs> x-force stuff is like it's yeah it's just like muscles and guns and i was just like i don't know like other writers have done so much better with those uh those characters um well, I mean, okay, I did not realize Liefeld was 25 in 1992 when they left. Yeah, that image. it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, he was crazy young, dude. He's, like, he's not. He's not old. 
he was a he was a what do they what do they call it when a, like a wonderkind right um oh yeah but also but it's like i just i'm incredibly impressed with artists who can like comic artists who can draw really well like it just does like i watch them and i'm just like blown away and in awe of it so like watching life oh, yeah. just draw it's just like it's incredible like and it's and he's so, it's so nonchalant he's not it's just like second nature to him you know and i don't i've no to be fair like i haven't consciously read enough of his stuff to know if he's what he, what he's like as a writer but i i just i just think his artwork is like very very impressive i mean it's impressive in just a uh that simplistic way that it's like wonderful uh wonderful looking to me i don't know i mean yeah there's like there's things you can mock about it like the the idea that it's it is just like big muscles big guns it's just like typical comic book shit big you boobs. know yeah sure um, of course yeah <laughs> that's the kind of thing i i grew up like i when i grew up and i was reading those x-men comics from the early and mid 90s like that's the shit me and my friends like me and Jonathan and Russell were like obsessed with Rogue in those in those books you know because she was hot yeah well <laughs> and like a lot of that was like Jim Lee who I who I do like and thought was he's still doing muscles guns and boobs but mm-hmm. it's just not as as absurd and and wild as as Liefeld I guess I I don't know um doesn't really matter. I don't remember why we're talking about. Uh, oh, s- Kevin. Because <laughs> of Todd co-opted. McCra- Kevin was talking about Spawn and yeah. Go I ahead. Have, and I have shitty Todd takes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like Todd. Go ahead. Uh, uh, Todd's hey, another guy that you could look up videos all day of on YouTube of Todd drawing, and it's just like it's mm. amazing. Like it's just fun to watch. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So uh, watching watching all three of the spawn movies like for me they kind of got progressively like um not as good like the first one i really enjoyed um i've i've seen it like a bajillion times um but yeah like i i think it's i i like the artwork i like the acting in it i think it's well done and the second one, I don't know, it just like the big problem with the second and definitely the third one is like there's too much going on that they're trying to fit into six episodes. Like there are like character arcs that like, you know, like they should have an arc, but you just have a thing with them in one episode and then that thing resolves in like the next episode. And, like, there's no clear path to how they got there. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you can't you can't go wrong with uh, Keith David just, you know, being a tragic figure and, you know. Great voice. Yeah. Great voice. Fantastic. Are you are you excited about or even aware of maybe the. The not the live action, new live action Spawn with Jamie Fox as the speaking of Jamie Fox, is directed that, directed by Todd McFarlane. Is that really going to happen? I feel, I feel like they've hey, been talking about like a, the Todd a live Fox action thing. Going down. Okay, but they've been talking about a live action Spawn to replace the um, the one with Michael Jai White. Like mm-hmm. um, they've been talking about that. Like I saw like a concept trailer for like that back in like. 2015 and like um i don't know hmm. like how long 
It says it's set for 2025. This was from oh, October. Okay. Set for 2025 release, according to Jason Blum. So it's a Blumhouse thing. Oh, okay. Um, well. Jamie Foxx <laughs> and uh, Rob Liefeld, born in the same year. Hey. Uh, also, <laughs> what's... Now. I mean, 50, yeah, 55 and 56. Mm-hmm. Um, what is his, like, health thing? Like, is he is he taking uh, jobs? Is he, like, is he working? Oh, he's in that movie that you just watched him in. But, but he he made that before. <laughs> well, he was before making he a movie. Huge health scare. He was making a movie while, when he had that health scare, though, with uh, Cameron yeah. Diaz. I don't know what movie that is, but. I thought Cameron Diaz had retired as well. She retired after that movie, she said, because it was like a traumatic experience being in that movie, apparently. That's what I read. Ouch. What the fuck is this movie? I don't know. Uh, and Jeremy <laughs> Renner is also supposed to be in the uh, Spawn film. Maybe hmm. as the Martin Sheen character. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe I as would... the devil guy, I guess. What's his name? Uh, Violator? The... Yeah. He would make more sense as the clown you know the violator, like uh, Woody though, Jeremy Renner. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, Renner, Renner. Oh, uh, know, Jeremy Renner, dude. Yeah. Uh, it strikes yeah, me as no, like the you know you know Martin Sheen in the in the in the original film. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. He's like yeah, he's Jason like a, Wynn. Uh, yeah. I would. I. Jeremy Renner seems very wrong for that role. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. I don't know who else he could be, except know. Violator or that guy. But anyways, I don't know Cranston. Or maybe he's one of the cops. Is that one of the cops? Maybe he. Yeah, I'm uh, sure the detectives will be in it because um, you know it's a McFarland's doing it. So yeah, Twitch and uh, Burke. Right. I used to have action figures of those guys. Oh, nice. I love those action figures. I wish I still had them. Cameron Diaz has not been in a movie since 2014. Yeah, with the counselor. Uh, Annie, actually, she did uh, uh, the other woman's sex tape in Annie after the counselor. Oh, okay, sex tape. I figured out that one too. All right. Well, um, I watched. Uh, I since you guys couldn't get around to it, I watched The Killer, the new David Fincher film, which I should have been. It. Oh, did you? Sorry, my bad. Kevin, <laughs> let's talk about The Killer. Uh, this yeah. is the uh, new David Fincher film. Um, you know, should have been on the top of everybody's list for this week. Uh, yeah, busy. Didn't have time. Busy. What are you busy <laughs> hiking and eating granola? You fucking Colorado. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just kidding uh yeah so the killer is from 2023 it's on netflix uh you know it's michael fassbender's return to movies after a four-year break apparently mm. and um self-imposed and uh it's just a really sort of like uh old-fashioned hitman movie which is just like sort of a goofy tired premise that you know and um it feels sort of like it was written by like a 16 year old (laughs) but uh that being said you know fincher obviously is talented enough to make it entertaining Mm. and i think that fassbender's just his like his presence is interesting to watch i think He's got a movie star quality, in my opinion, and I like his sort of facial expressions and the sort of stuff. You know, you can seems like something's going on. And uh, I don't love the narration that's employed throughout this movie. Uh, mm. I think a lot of it is just like, again, that's where the sort of 16 year old thing comes in. It just feels like shit that you <laughs> <laughs> it, it reminds me of, you know, what it reminds me of Andrew Kevin Walker wrote this, who also mm. wrote Seven. 
And yeah. uh, it reminded me of, I remember reading, I read the screenplay to seven at some point when I was much, much younger. And I remember the ending of seven was supposed to be uh, like, they were, you know, the head in the box and everything. And then he's about to shoot John Doe and Morgan Freeman throws and throws his switchblade at him and stops him from shooting John Doe. And like, mm. that's the end of the movie. And I was like, that's such a dumb ending <laughs> like compared <laughs> to what we get. That's such like an immature, stupid way to end the movie. Like he throws his knife at him, you know, like it's a, becomes like a ninja movie all of a sudden. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so then, you know, but uh, it's, it, it, when I'm watching this, I'm thinking like, oh, okay, this is like Andrew Kevin Walker uh, unbridled, right? They're, they're just letting him, they're literally saying anything that he writes down, and it's, some of it's pretty bad. Yeah, like the, it, especially in that first like 20 minutes. Yeah. Like oh. it's it's very like, oh. I would rather up. just, I honestly would rather just watch it silent. I would have rather just watched him doing his thing without any words or anything it would have been that would have been a, a, a sort of aggressive interesting way to start the film too like a like just showing him do that whole first chapter mm. with whatever dialogue is there whatever incidental dialogue there is we, we don't need the narration it tells us nothing it gives us nothing mm. like it doesn't need to be there but that, that being said though i will say like the i love the score i think the score adds like an interesting like ambiance to it I yeah, like sure. the, the fight scene in the middle of it was incredible. Mm. Um, probably like the highlight for me anyway. And um, I think it sort of ends with a thud, which is a bummer. I don't like the ending, uh, but uh, you know, and it's like, it's a weirdly like um, empty movie as far as like in like Fincher's filmography. Like it's just, it doesn't feel like it has much weight to it. And it's not mm. super memorable, but uh, you know, I mean, I, I won't say I won't, I, I will never watch it again. I'll definitely watch it. It's probably like low tier though for him, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I will like one of the positives <clears throat> that I really liked about the movie. Like the movie's two hours, but like mm-hmm. the pacing of it, I thought was really good. Like at no point did I think like, okay, this is take. The, the first 20 minutes aside, like, and that's really just because of the narration, like, but the rest of the movie moves very quickly through, like, you know, the action, like, you know, stops in the plot. Yeah. Um, And yeah, and uh, honestly, like, I would have probably, I would have rated this movie a little bit higher if it hadn't been for the particular music that is played. Oh. Sure. Through the movie, because like I don't I don't want to spoil it for Jr. Although he might he might know who it is. I'm already. I'm actively not listening. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Because because I because I'm gonna watch. But you can, okay, you can say okay. you can say I'm no 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 I'm out. Don't, don't okay, say. okay okay <laughs> okay okay. Yeah the 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 singer of this particular band is someone I cannot stand. Well, and not only that, especially their singing is it and their Creed? lyrics. <laughs> no. Creed. How'd you guess? <laughs> It is, but it's like it's also like it's just such a. It feels like the most uh, like obvious generic choice that you could choose. Like to even have it be a single artist throughout the entire film is like a weird, mm. like a sort of. It just doesn't make any sense. It's like a. It's like the wrong choice. I don't know. It's I yeah very very much the wrong choice. Now, 
I like how he like structured it to where like, you know, like there are certain times we hear the music and certain times we don't. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was an interesting thing to do. Um, but yeah, the actual music itself, I'm like, fuck this. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know. It just felt very like, again, just very movie-ish, like have, yeah. like to have that be a part of everything, um, was completely unnecessary and mm. sort of almost had a, like a humorous <clears throat> element to it that just didn't need to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wasn't a fan of that, but anyways, I mean, but it's definitely like, you know, it's perfectly watchable and entertaining yeah. and it, I agree with the, the, with you about the pacing. Like it's very well paced. I never looked at my, like sometimes during a movie, I'll look at my phone or I'll look at the time code, you know, on the screen just to see like how much longer is left. <laughs> yeah. And I never, I never did that with this. At all. Right. So yeah. It was uh, good for that. But, um, Yeah. JR? I watched uh I watched When Evil Lurks, which is uh Ooh. had a little mm. had a little moment as like a or a little internet moment when it was released on Shutter. I think it was Shutter because it's um it's a pretty good horror movie and it has a lot of fucked up stuff happening in it. Um it's an Argentinian film by a director named uh Demian uh Rugna. Runya, I'm not sure, but it's um, it's about these two brothers uh, who are, we'll call them like farmhands, uh, kind of outside of a village, you know, somewhere in Argentina. They uh, are meeting someone. That person is late. They come across uh, a dead body, and apparently, this dead body was uh, on this person who is now dead. Sorry was on his way to uh, exercise an evil spirit from um, some guy, their neighbor. Uh, and this uh, this person with the evil spirit is like this just like blown up, sort of like slimy hairless whale of a person just sitting in bed. Like he's like a, a pus sack, basically. Um, Played by Brendan Fraser. no but it's uh and now all of a sudden these two brothers who have encountered this uh spirit which everyone just accepts yeah obviously this is possession this is obviously happening um now they are uh just kind of put in the middle of dealing with this and trying to keep uh whatever spirit this is uh which people assume is going to be some sort of antichrist figure from um, being birthed into the world, because that's like about to happen. Uh, and this is a movie where you know once they encounter what's going on, they are constantly moving, trying to kind of outrun uh, slash fix this problem. And uh, they are constantly met with uh, with evil already being there. Uh, you can't run out outrun evil. You can't uh, make it go away, and uh, this movie does not shy away from violence. Um, does not shy away from violence and violent acts to types of people that we would not normally see um, that happen to on film. Lots of uh, lots of like mothers and pregnant people and children, and just like you know, the evil the evil doesn't care. The evil is evil. Um, 
but yeah, there's uh there are a few like just really fucked up images in this movie. Uh, I generally liked the, like the pacing of it is, is like entertaining. There are like a few moments in the middle where they're delivering dialogue, uh, you know, and I'm reading the subtitles. So this could be a subtitle thing where it's like, we're, we're, we're walking right up to like a very cheesy line here. Uh, but then people stop talking and start dealing with, uh, whatever horrific thing is happening and it, and it gets good again. Um, but yeah, this is a fucked up movie and it's a very memorable movie, but I, I never want to watch it again. Yeah. My brother had the same reaction. You guys should watch it. I'm good. I know I said I would, but I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm not, I, I, you know, I was going to ask you if it was like, if it was like, um, like Hagazusa kind of shit. Like they're like, it's they're like baby violence, like violence against babies or children. Like I can't deal with shit like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, not babies, but, um, but like a very pregnant woman. Yes. Yeah, that's mm. fucked. I don't, uh, don't want to see that. The uh, the okay. woman, like if you look at the poster, the the woman sitting there with that hatchet is uh is pregnant. The um yeah, I I understand that uh share that feeling completely. Um, <laughs> I feel like I also like Tagazusa, or maybe I just thought it was really fucked up, and maybe I didn't like it. I can't remember. Um, I hated that. Definitely fucked up. But this uh, I don't know. It's like the the pacing the pacing makes it like work like I don't hmm. where like Hagazusa is like a it's like this dirge like it's dark and it's yeah. muddy and it's slow and it's like painful to sit through uh like the every like the act of just sitting through it is is like it's painful because it's also like in a way it's like boring it's not boring but it's it's intentionally slow and this movie is very much not that. Yeah, if you if you make it a deep dive one day, I'll watch it. But I, I, would, I would not do that to us. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> thank so you. Cool. That's fine. Mm. Um, I just want to be clear that like I will watch anything that is a deep dive. I yeah. have no limit, but yeah, we I, don't. You know, if I have to, if it's voluntary, I don't want to watch this. We shit. don't. Yeah. We don't veto. Exactly. I guess yeah, the the next care. time one of you decides that we're doing a Ron Howard movie, maybe maybe <laughs> finally institute a veto system. I don't oh, have shit. any. There goes actually, my Apollo 13. I know, right? I have a, one more of his films on my list, on that's, my potential deep dive list. But that's it, fucking wild. If okay. I was to order my deep dive list to like, you know, the ones that I want to watch the most or talk about the most, it would be like near the bottom. So, hmm. especially after the missing. Which, <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right, uh, Kevin, you another one? Sure. Um. So I finally got around to watching Barbie. Oh. And and yeah, and I enjoyed it. Um yeah, I thought um uh, yeah, I <laughs> I enjoyed the homage to uh 2001 at the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and I thought it was I thought it was really well done. Looks looks great. Um Yeah, uh, all around solid movie. You know? Yeah, I agree. It's great. Yeah. And uh I I'll just do this other one real quick. This will be my last one. I also watched uh Autumn Sonata by Ingmar Bergman. And this features um Ingrid Bergman. 
and uh, what's her name? Not BB Anderson. Oh, his uh, that's in Murata? all. Um, John, what help, the fuck is her Jared, name? Uh, what's her name? I'm searching. I don't know. <laughs> What? Liv Ullman. Liv Ullman. Yeah, there you go. Sheesh. I don't know. Once you said BB Anderson, it's the only person I could think of. I was like, how is it about BB Anderson? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I would think about BB Anderson too. Um, but yes, so uh, Ingrid Bergman is Liv Ullman's mother, and she comes to stay with them at her invitation. And throughout their stay, like there's there's a lots there's lots of like little jabs at each other and lots of little like inside like digs and eventually it becomes this long um session where Liv Ullman is just you know categorizing cataloging all of the horrible things that her mother has done to her over the course of her life and you know how they ended up where they ended up and as a duo on screen, these two are fantastic. And yeah, this is a really good movie. And I was intrigued to watch it because like on the um like I've been looking at the letterboxed uh top two fifty lately, and like I was intrigued by the fact that like Autumn's Autumn Sonata is like the highest ranked on that list. And then uh, I think like Fanny and Alexander comes in like maybe one or two below it. But then like it's a long stretch before you get to uh, Seventh Seal. So I thought like, well, I feels weird. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I, I have, you know, I have opinions about this list. Um, I think it's fantastic that Harakuri is at the very top. Um. But, you know, it's, it's, you know, good fodder for things to watch and things to talk about. Uh, so, yeah, I would highly recommend Autumn Sonata to anyone who likes movies and especially anyone who likes Bergman. Word. I'll get right That's on amazing. that. I've never seen it. And I do like Bergman, so. Mm-hmm. Actually, I feel like Bergman is like sort of hit and miss for me. I like I think I like pretty much everything I've seen by him, but there are things that I like like significantly less than other things. Mm. Like I'm not a I didn't like I didn't love the seventh seal when I saw it. I should probably rewatch it though. Mm. Anyways, and I love the Virgin Spring, it's like amazing. So but anyways, um all right. Well uh, I will talk briefly about the T V that I watched. Again, just some good shows, man. Um, just crushed uh, Oni Musha, all eight episodes on Netflix, which is weird for me because I don't watch anime at all. Mm. And um, I watched this because the character designs are based on Kim Jong-un, who I like, who is a, an artist that I have been following for several years. And I uh, have some of his books. And uh, he died last year, I think, or earlier this year, maybe. And a uh, huge bummer, but uh, yeah, this show is apparently based on the video game Oni Musha, which I didn't realize, but um, I've sure. never I've never played, <laughs> but uh, 
it's just like a really incredibly well done uh series samurai story about these this this group of ragtag samurais who have to they're going to confront their old friend who's gone rogue i suppose um and along the way they have to face challenges uh different uh supernatural um demonic forces in the woods you know and they have to fight them and the main guy uh whose name is uh matt matsushi or something i can't remember but he uh He's like modeled obviously on Toshiro Mifune and he's got the exact same like quirks and like the way he like he'll just like grab his chin, you know, and it's just like it's obvious they're mapping that on Mifune's work and his voice sounds like Mifune in these samurai films. It's really it's pretty great. Uh, It's just a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, he's got like this magical gauntlet that he can wear that makes him as powerful as the demons and. It's just a really, I don't know, I've, I've had a lot of fun with it. It was very, very enjoyable. Short episodes, like 22, 23-minute episodes. Very watchable, very easy to get through, and uh, a lot of fun. And very, like, um, what do you call it? Like, uh, real, uh, like, realistic emotions and character motivations and things, even though it's happening in this world of, like, fantasy and demons and supernatural characters and stuff but like none of the stuff is it doesn't get goofy ever i feel like and there's very little comedy in it which i which i appreciated <clears throat> so like when i watched um i watched uh i tried to watch the first episode of blue eye samurai which is the other netflix samurai animated film show Man, i thought like, that's the one you were excited for right no mm. that i i think i i said that was i got him i got him confused yeah, I was okay. excited about Onimusha, but I got I got it confused because they they both they both came out like the exact same time. Wow, I definitely weird. assumed they were the same thing. They are not at like all. Maybe Onimusha, the Blue Eyed Samurai. No, Onimusha is a different Cold show. <laughs> Blue Eyed Samurai is the westernized American version of Onimusha, whereas Onimusha is made by Japanese people in Japanese. This uh, uh, Blue Eyed Samurai is made by. Uh, english speakers and uh it shows because (laughs) like the first 15 minutes of the first episode are like i mean it's like just your classic it's like samurai champloo the way samurai champloo opens with you know introducing the characters in like a, a scene where they have to deal with some kind of bully in a situation you know and they show the bully up and the bully thinks you know, he's over over cocky and then they end up cutting off parts of his anatomy you know with their swords it's <laughs> like that and it's the exact same thing and it's lame and everybody speaking english <laughs> makes no sense and they're in like 1650 japan you know what i mean <laughs> and, and uh and and there's a character who's like just overly goofy and he's like obviously for comic relief and it's just really bad i don't know man i don't know if i'm gonna power through the rest of it or not i think mm. that i like samurai shampoo i like samurai shampoo i don't have a problem with that i'm just like this is worse than that okay. um writing wise and like the character the characters in samurai shampoo are are interesting because of the dynamic like the 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 you know, one of them is incredibly disciplined and one of them is not disciplined at all and yet they're both very very good at what they do like that's that's a cool dynamic a cool uh, interesting sort of conflict between them and uh 
I don't know. This is just like, it's essentially like the main character is both of them in this, in this <laughs> show so far. And it, to be fair, I've only seen 15 minutes, but I'm not loving the voice acting. I'm not loving the, uh, the sort of portrayals of the, the, the characters, the, uh, it feels very Hollywood. It doesn't feel very good. Anyways, mm. um, but then I also watched um, the first episode of The Curse, which is the new Nathan Fielder show on Showtime that is co-created and co-written by him and Benny Safdie. And Benny Safdie is also in the show, and so is Nathan Fielder and Emma Stone. And uh, it's very good, very enjoyable so far. There's only one episode out, but I loved it, and I'm anxiously awaiting the next one benny safty is amazing <laughs> he's so funny in it dude it's so good he's the best he plays like it's like about a hgtv show with like this obnoxious <laughs> liberal couple you know who's like trying to gentrify this uh hispanic neighborhood in la and uh benny safty plays their like reality tv director guy who's trying to make the show more like a he wants to make it more like a like a typical sort of like Fox, you know, or ABC, like uh, The Bachelor, like, you know, <laughs> Bachelor in Paradise or whatever. One of these kind of shows, Hell's Kitchen, something like that. And uh, he's just great. It's really wonderful. You should check this out if you have a chance. It's also weird, too, because Nathan Fielder directs all the episodes, but it's very much directed like a Safdie Brothers thing. There's like, like tons of like long lenses and like shooting from like great distances and stuff and like documentary style almost so i don't know if well he is secretly directing parts of it or not but, but isn't that kind of like yeah what nathan it's fielder's been doing it is similar but it's but it's but it looks i'm saying like the nathan fielder is literally doing documentation on his shows and it's not it's not like that it's not like uh what was the show he did on uh hbo the rehearsal the rehearsal. It wasn't. It doesn't look like that at all. Like it looks like a film. I mean, it looks very, very I never, nice. Yeah. I never saw the rehearsal, which other, other I, I heard is great. Yeah. Oh, it's so good, dude. You gotta watch. Once you watch the first episode, it's gonna blow your mind, dude. The first. Episode. I yeah. It was. I mean, it's it on my list. Um, I'm making my way through the TV list. Yeah, the curse is great, and also uh, the last one is uh, I watched um, the first episode of. Uh, lawman bass reeves or is it bass reeves lawman i don't know it's the mm. new western show on paramount plus uh it's just like western so you had to do it or taylor taylor sheridan executive producer <laughs> you had to do it. no i don't i'm not a taylor sheridan it, he didn't write it so it doesn't oh, okay. do anything for me but um no, I just saw the trailer and I thought it looked interesting and I was like I'll you know I'll give it a shot and it was the first episode was free on Amazon Prime so I watched it and uh it's decent and the the best thing about it Barry Pepper he's back baby <laughs> in a big way in this one you know I haven't seen Barry Pepper in forever where's he been yeah yeah he was in that movie Crawl apparently with the alligators oh yeah oh I did. but <laughs> I did I, that. besides that I haven't seen him since like the 25th hour or something I mean it's been years you know mm. and he he's great in it so far Three he's burials got, of uh Melchiatis Estrada, yeah, that's yeah. he's great in that too. He he's he, he's so good in this though. He's only got two scenes in the first episode, but he's he's absolutely great. And he, they set him up as a really good like foil villain to the main character, Bass Reeves, who's a, an escaped slave who becomes a U.S. deputy marshal or something. He is a, I mean, that's like a historic figure. Yeah. Oh, they're right? all mm. historical figures. Yeah. Okay. 
he was he was owned by this guy George Reeves, um, who was apparently like a an actual soldier in the Confederate Army, and then he became a politician later. And mm. uh, he's he's played by Shea Wiggum in the episode. So nice, full of good actors. And David uh, Ola Olaweo, or is that how you say his name? Um, I don't know that how guy. The, yeah. guy. the guy who played Martin Luther King in the Selma movie. Mm. Um, he's pretty good as Bass Reeves. So so far. Um, he hasn't become a lawman in the first episode, so I don't, mm. I don't know when that's going to happen. Apparently, because I was reading about the actual guy, and like after he escapes from being a slave, he like farms for like ten years before he actually starts fighting crime. So I was like, are they really gonna like show him farming for ten years? <laughs> like <laughs> it's like four episodes of him farming, and then we finally get to the, you know. Well, they got lawman in the title, so I wouldn't think so. I would imagine they're just going to jump right to it. Because, like, the end of the episode is, like, him setting up that he has, like, a family. Like, he's getting his family together and stuff. And so it's probably Mm. just going to, like, jump ahead 10 years. Um, But anyways, yeah. So uh, a lot of, like, solid shows. And then, like, uh, you know, earlier this year, Lioness was out. I loved Lioness. Spec Ops Lioness was great. Um, On Paramount again. So... I don't know, dude. There's some good shows out this year. Mm. <laughs> I've never watched so much TV. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. TV, yeah. Anyway. yeah. I was telling, telling you guys I've only watched three movies, in the, or five movies, three, you know, that weren't yeah. assigned to me mm. um, the past two weeks due to my, my TV viewing. Um, in my... My experience with TV is a little bit different because I've been watching Loki, which is not giving me a lot of like optimism about uh, the quality of TV right now. Um, but you know, it's got uh, two directors I like directed like half the episode. Who? Uh, Benson and Bore- Benson and Moorhead, like Aaron Benson and Justin Moorhead. They've done a few uh, indie movies. I don't know. Um, like Synchronicity and. Oh. Jesus. All right. Well, well, that was. <laughs> why did I say their worst one? Uh, <laughs> because that is like the only movie they made I don't like. Uh, anyway, they're. Um, they made that other one that you liked with the dirt, something in the dirt, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. But, and they also, but they like, they directed a few episodes of the, uh, of the Moon Knight show with Ethan mm. Hawke and Oscar Isaac, and that was like a disaster. And now they're like taking over as like, showrunners uh on the, the daredevil show that apparently has to be like completely redone the show was a disaster moon Knight, or those episodes were the show like i the show was bad that show mm. sucked and uh loki this season i like the first season of loki this season's been uh less good but uh i did is, watch uh, one owen wilson in it again yeah yeah he is mm. riding jet skis like he always wanted <laughs> um I did watch one other movie, which is appropriately based on a TV show. I watched the uh, Metalocalypse, uh, you know, sort of concluding feature film, um, Army of the Doomstar. I am a fan of Metalocalypse, uh, but just kind of just like the Venture Bros movie, which I did not see because I have not seen all of that show or even half of all of that show. Um, this is definitely like a for fans only type of deal. <laughs> it's like 75 minutes, very much wrapped up in like the lore of what's been going on in this TV show that hasn't been on TV in like eight years or something. But, uh, mm. um, it's funny. And 
it's weird to see like i don't know this show that's like set up in 11 minute episodes like extending that to 75 minutes the way uh, that kind of works with pacing is just bizarre feels weird but um <laughs> had a lot of fun i wish there was more i wish there were more songs but uh it's okay the the fake band released a, a real album just before the movie and that's uh that's pretty good pretty good album so that's all i got so jr does this movie have zazz yes <laughs> yeah. it's like the like aside from like the clown doing cocaine that's like the one thing i remember from metalocalypse just put it on see if i put it on the jazz train to jazzville i can't i can't do it well <laughs> yeah there um mark hamill is is in this somehow mm. please apparently plays uh four voices of course he does um, I love the show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry to end with the wet fart that is Metalocalypse. Right? <laughs> um, it's fun and I like it. Kevin, you got anything else? Yep. All right. Um, it's somebody's pick next week. Jr. It should be mine. It's Jr. Let yeah. Let's hear it, bud. Lay it on us. Yeah. Um. So. As this has been on my list forever. It's a movie I want to see forever. This uh, director, unfortunately, just uh, passed. Um, Friedkin? Uh, no. Oh. Sorry. Uh, no, uh, Terrence Davies. Oh. Um, you know, uh, British or somewhere in the United Kingdom. Uh, director who has made uh, a few movies that I love. Um and a few more that I really like. And I have never seen his movie from 2000 called The House of Mirth. Uh, I, this is like a movie that is definitely not in our wheelhouse. It's, I think, like a... I mean, it's an Edith Wharton novel. So it's like the same same author of like Age of Innocence that uh, Scorsese uh, adapted or directed the ad- adaptation of. No, it's got Dan Edward in it, thank God. And Gillian <laughs> Anderson. Um, Eleanor Braun, I'm in. Anthony Look, it's LaPaglia. Laura Linney, Eric Stoltz, Elizabeth McGovern. Like, these are people we know. Um, but this movie is supposed to be uh, very good. And uh, this director, this director is good. Uh, if, um, if anyone's got extra time, I highly recommend watching uh, a couple of his extremely short movies that are usually on the Criterion Collection or Criterion Channel. Long day the closes. long day closes and uh, distant voices still lives. Those are awesome. Um, but yeah, we're uh, we're gonna see how this is, and uh, we're gonna see if also if we can find it. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's on Amazon. It says so. It probably should be yeah. readily available somewhere. Yeah, it's like it's never been available streaming that I've I've ever seen. But yeah, we'll we'll I'm figure sure it out. I'm sure it's on my Plex account. Yeah. We'll we'll figure out a copy. All right. Well, uh, that's our show. You know. Thanks for listening. Visit our website, filmiacpodcast.com. You can write to us as always, filmiacpodcast at gmail.com. 
you have questions or concerns, that's what I say in my emails to my kids' parents. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, until next time, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. I, uh, I'm about 25 minutes into old dads and I don't know if I can handle it. <laughs>